So I'm going to keep my glasses on so I can see my notes. I hope it doesn't feel too much like I'm peering at you over the top of my glasses in any way that feels untoward. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I'd like to offer tonight um, some reflections uh, which are, for those of you who've been here, um, continuing a, a little series on the teachings, I don't know if everybody knows, called the Three Characteristics. These um, particular aspects uh, of our experience, of our conditioned experience, um, that uh, when we understand them, when we, when we perceive them, when we really know them, are, have great power, have great power to uh, free the mind from stress. So, um, yeah, so I want to just open this up a little bit this evening, particularly the, the third one. So the first two talks, sort of talking about uh, Anicca, this first um, characteristic that um, this sense of experience when we are very, very intimate with it as we as we are asked to be in our practice, <laughs> turns out to be, it reveals itself as, or can be perceived as, this flux, flow, uh, un, un, unstable, uh, anicca, and there's different facets to that. Um, Sometimes maybe these different facets can be helpful at different times. The sense of changing, changingness of our, our experience uh, or the impermanence. And so often the Buddha, and I'm going to share some teachings from the Buddha again, this um, sense of how when we open to the impermanence, to this Deep, more and more deeply, more and more thoroughly, you could say, more and more um, <laughs> the understanding of that really permeating our being into our into our bones. Um, that this can naturally give rise to um, the sense of uh, dukkha as unsatisfactoriness. So, more of that meaning rather than the stressfulness. But maybe they're, again, just two sides of the coin or different facets of this experience, which um, this, this sense of, like, if you can't, like I use the image of a waterfall, you know, and how we can't grasp any of it and we can't keep any of it. It's just this sense of when we, when we open to that, one of the things that happens is we, we 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 understand that the 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 satisfaction or the security or the sort of lasting anything that we seek in this life in this world of conditioned arisings and passings it's like it's not possible <laughs> it can't be done and how we keep trying we keep we keep trying and this is the sometimes referred to as, well, it's the, the misperceptions or the misunderstandings 
um, that we are habitually um, involved in. You know, it's like our, our default or our um, like a way in which we typically um, misperceive or misunderstand um, things, people, places habit patterns, you know, as something solid and permanent. I mean, you just pick up this book of just really simple example, isn't it? And how the different ways that we can contemplate these three characteristics in any moment of our experience and in any, in anything really that we encounter. And as always, I think the key, it's like sometimes I feel like the you know, we hear the, those words and we kind of hear the wisdom of it, but we don't really get it. And it's like, yeah, 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 everything's impermanent. That's not able to satisfy. And then we go off, you know, grasping at everything and or lots of things and <laughs> looking for satisfaction where we're... Yeah, so this is ignorance. This is avija. This is, this is our, our predicament, isn't it? And this is what, in a way, we're trying to wake up to those those ways in which uh, we are, or the, the suffering, the stressfulness, is somehow is 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 partly conditioned by these um, um, I, by these misperceptions, these mis misunderstandings that can, in a way, are sort of like I think often I feel like they're kind of they're just operating in the background, you know, like. I don't, I really don't, not very good at computers, but anyway, something like hardware, if that's still a thing, um, you know, that everything is somehow, yeah, connected with that, coming coming from that. And how you probably all, you know, at this point, lots of very, very seasoned practitioners, you had these moments of insight, moments of understanding, moments of really seeing both the 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 fragile transient you know and there's moments when it really really strikes you like a bell and i sometimes think that quality of insight both small and large is something like this you know <laughs> you get it something strikes you right and your whole being sort of resonates with something um, and this is, this is, yeah, so this is not at the level of ideas or intellectual understanding, is it? It's, it's something much more direct and intimate. Um, so this third characteristic that I want to spend a bit of time on this evening, this anatta characteristic, the and the the way the Buddha. I'll, I'll read you a bit of some bits of of of, of his teachings in a, in, a, in a little while. But this sense of the okay. So if we, when we really know and see and sense and really feel that we're in touch with the quality of anicca of just you know I'm always using my hands as you know I'm like it's like this you know what are words there are for that <laughs> I don't know um, 
and that again so the 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 okay there's that there's nothing here to grasp and then that sense of there's actually no solidity or there's no there's no bit there that I can you know the bit where's the bit in a sunset you know it's like right got it you know it's like mm, not really <laughs> and I often think how how disappointing photographs are you know they can be so beautiful and they can evoke and they can suggest and remind but you know how how different that is isn't it it's it's such a, a such a, a sort of faint kind of a uh, little bit of of that so maybe we can grasp at that can't we we can we can grasp at anything really it's just but but the, so the insight into that the anicca and the dukkha and it's like oh I could, there there is and then as we as we bring that inquiry of anicca dukkha nata into our own if you like subjective field of experience as we get the opportunity to very much more fully on a retreat it's like isn't the same thing it's like where's the me bit <laughs> where is it or or the way that you you start to realize it's it feels so many different ways at different times and start start to sort of open to the unfindability of that this is one way i like to think about it if you've practiced in that way which I don't, it doesn't particularly appeal to me. I did it on one retreat of asking, you know, who am I? And, and, and really staying with that for a while and, and that sort of somehow, well, you know, I looked for quite a while. I really, really don't know. I couldn't find an answer that was really, that was really satisfactory. Yeah. So I, this evening I'd like to go through a, whole, a series of different a different ways that we can actually practice or engage these teachings and not let them just be ideas, but maybe ways that we can um, learn to practice um, seeing our experience. And um, I also, I wanted to kind of, before I get into that, I wanted to also really sort of... Uh, make a bow to the ways that our practice and you know as we were I was talking with someone today you know not just in this tradition in maybe many many spiritual traditions and maybe also when there is no particular spiritual path being undertaken and these insights arise these insights arise because they are something about the truth of things right so you might hear stories or you had experiences before you even met this practice or you have other people in other traditions you know having great illuminations and you know seeing deeply into reality and maybe you've had that experience as I have where you know you could say small insights and big insights or big big shifts and you know it just happens I mean, it would be interesting to see, you know, anyway, we haven't got time. We could spend a long time sharing about that. It would be very interesting, you know, to hear how and where, you know. And I was trying to think of how some of those, like when I'm talking with people and I hear so many, so many insights and shifts and understandings and little ahas and big ahas and... 
my sense is that sometimes there is an anatta aspect of that that's not recognized. Because maybe we don't have enough of the language, the concept, the understanding of that, which is where that level of learning, you know, studying and reading the Buddha kind of thinking and then going and practicing and seeing, well, where is this really and how does that work? And that then actually an insight that happens where maybe we're more aware of the of the uh, Nietzsche part, you know, and I think for some people they're just more naturally tuned into that or something and so there's there's a, a, a sense of an opening and you see what's apparent is maybe the the the, the changingness and we miss also something quite significant has happened to the sense of self as well in those moments it is very interesting that it could be helpful to yeah to have a a sort of real sense of these three, maybe practicing with them, studying, so that actually it's like a, it can prime the mind, so we can be more aware of the anatta experiences that we're all having. You could say these these insights, these this seeing the sense of, for example, if we think of it, it could, you could understand anatta is simply the the absence of clinging or of identification, right? I mean, I, 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 this is still... Uh, but in terms of trying to find some ways in, so for example, you might ha- at times in your practice here have a sense of, you know, in the mind things start to quieten down and there's just more of a sense of things happening by themselves perhaps. And like maybe, you know, it's like this is at least to me, that is that we can notice, ah, that, that not, not only are we opening to the flow and maybe the just the ungraspability, we're also actually, that is opening up a sense of what, what is life like? What is, what is the, this moment like if, when we're not um, grasping, when we're not claiming, when we're not... Uh, clinging to something as as me or as something that um, that can be uh, yeah that can be claimed as mine. So the this this experience I think that we probably all have of the loosening or the fading or the softening of this sense of clinging and grasping the, the contraction actually in that there is often a sense of the sense of self softens fades changes maybe becomes more diffuse and for example in meta practice you know I sometimes can feel I see it in myself and I see it in others how as a, as a sense of meta or sometimes compassion arises you can almost see somebody melting a bit and like the sense, this the sense of self, or you know who I am, or my problem, or something. Just saying, oh, it kind of it starts to change. So I could give lots of examples. I, as I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm always reflecting and learning, and but that actually that sense of a maybe it's already happening. See, this is <laughs> it's like it's already here. There is already this. This sort of, if you like, aspect of reality, or this, this, it's like, 
in a way because it's more what's actually happening. <laughs> Forgive me, somebody, you know, and then like there are those moments when the clouds part and you go, oh, <laughs> that's what's actually happening. And the clouds close again, you know, and you're like, what was that? Um, so perhaps it could also, with this sense of self or selfing or clinging or, you know, identification can feel like over time. Have you had this experience with maybe certain situations or relationships in your life or where you just start, you sort of realize, oh, you know, there's more space around this. Oh. And I suspect if you look into that, you'll, you, could, you could find some of this, what I, you know, anatta effect. This sense of us not being so, um, you know, identified with or attached to or kind of bound up with or believing in a particular view of who I am or who they are, yeah? Or, yeah, so, so I, 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 anyway, I, I think this is one possible way of practicing with this, that rather than necessarily taking up a whole other... Um, practice, we can just start to uh, to see, to notice, perhaps uh, um, some if some uh, some of that happening. It's happening. It's kind of yeah. In the in the as the in those when we yeah those times when when things relax and the contraction relaxes. Anyway, so how can we how can we intentionally cultivate? How can we, um, if you wish, and again, as I, I always feel moved to say that, especially in a retreat like this where everybody's doing different practices and I don't want to derail you, so feel free to, you know, not pick up on any of this. <laughs> Save it for later. You know, maybe it will come in just naturally or at some point you'll, yeah, so I know you all know that, but I feel like saying it. And so I want to share two particular sources from two particular sources this evening. Just to, I'm just going to go through and hopefully with a little bit of clarity outline a few different possible actual intentional practices that you can sort of thread in or play with or, you know, just if you, if you wish. With the sense that this can be, I hesitate to use the word fun, but enjoyable even both in terms of the effects and also this sort of that sense of oh I wonder what might happen if you know oh, I try this practice you know who knows might be helpful might be fun and you try it and you think nah not that one okay let's try another one <laughs> anyway you get the spirit of it and um, I'd like to begin I'd like to share a little bit from my um, good friend and a wonderful teacher called Rob Babea um, who has done a lot of work um, sort of in this area and in his book in the library, Seeing That Freeze, you can, you can uh, check this out if you wish. So I'd just like to read you a little bit of what he says um, and I will, I'll, I'll put a lot of the references on the board so after the talk if you want to pick up you can with those. Um, so with deep gratitude to Rob Babea. We usually feel either that we are the body or the mind, or both, 
or we feel that they are somehow ours, belonging to the self. Sometimes this normal appropriation by the self is conscious, but most often it is not. It is simply and intuitively felt as part of things and of ourselves. The Buddha taught that for the sake of freedom, this mistaken intuition should be let go of. Yeah. So, the first quote from the Buddha and a suggestion of a, a practice that arises from, from that. So, monks, what do you think? If a person were to carry off or burn or do as he likes with grass, with the grass, twigs, branches and leaves here in Jetta's Grove, would the thought occur to you? It is us that this person is carrying off, burning or doing with as he likes. No, venerable sir. Why is that? Well, because these things are not ourself, nor do they belong to the self to ourself. Just so, monks, whatever is not yours, let go of it. Your letting go of it will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. And what is not yours? Form is not yours. Vedana, feeling, is not yours. Perception, mental formations and consciousness not yours. Let go of it. Your letting go of it will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. Yeah. So, so we can hear the teaching, so we can reflect on it, we can inquire, we can you know, investigate, we can test it out, which is always what the Buddha recommended. And what, this is one of the practices I've been hanging out with this week. And it's one of the ones I've enjoyed the most. And it's interesting because it's not one I've done before. I've done other anatta practices. So I was kind of surprised that, that there was, it just it kind of felt like it, it worked. It kind of was enjoyable and, and freeing, actually. Sometimes, you know, you have to, be very patient with the effects and take their time. And sometimes maybe there's more of a, at least in a subtle way, an immediate effect. Maybe just by hearing the teachings, yeah? And you know in the story, sometimes these very seasoned practitioners would be listening to a sutta and in the course of the sutta they would be, you know, awakened to some great degree. But perhaps for, you know, I mean... It, it takes also some, this, again, intentional cultivation. I think a lot about, it's like meta practice, I think, in a way. In a way, it's the same principle of inclining the mind in a certain way to, to perceive this element of anatta, in this case, this sense of, of, of um, um, it's not yours. So I came up with this little phrase, well, you, 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 you know, you find your own. Um, it's not yours. Let go of it. 
it's not yours. And somehow for me, the word yours works better than the word me, but you do try it out. Because I something, yeah, the, the sometimes the different words, language, and maybe, maybe image, you know, images, like use the imagery. You could, you know, and imagine yourself kind of, you know, like the the feeling, the Vedana and the perceptions, the thoughts, all of our experience kind of like, you know, you see yourself scampering around kind of picking up grass and twigs and branches and coming and saying, this is me, you know, I don't know. Possibly doesn't work, I haven't tried that, but anyway, you could try. <laughs> Why not? Whatever works, right? So, let, um, yeah, it's not yours, let go of it. It's not yours, let go of it. And again, you can hear it's just, sort of as with metta practice, it's more the intention that the phrase carries than the words themselves, right? It's, it's, and then there's the tone, like, as I said that, yeah, and I, then I could, what I, it's like a kind exhortation or like a kindly nag, like, come on, you know, it's not yours, let go of it. Or, so listen for the tone. It's like, let, you know, it's not yours, let go of it. Like, oh, wait a minute, who's that? You know, maybe, is that helpful? <laughs> so the tone of these things, I think, can sometimes be really important somehow, maybe on a more emotional sort of felt level to have very great interest in how, in, with this teaching and also others, how, how we can translate that it's this process of reflection and trying something out so where we, we translate the teaching in a way to the language of our own heart. And that's where it can connect. Not by, you know, twisting the, the wisdom and replacing our own, but more this sort of exploration of, of how, what helps our heart to actually hear it, because I think this is where we need to hear it. It's like, it's like um, yeah, I've got it there, but somehow listening or receiving. So that's where I think the words, the images, the sort of tone of it can, can really help. So listening, as I go through a few of the others, maybe you can listen to see maybe, oh, that one spoke to me, that one didn't, or... Anyway, just that sense that there are these different possibilities. And I am going to inflict a poem on you, as I sometimes do. So for those of you who think this is not the thing, then apologies. Um, but again, in this same vein of all the different ways, the different modes, the different modes of mind and heart and, and all the different things that we can do in our life, um, creative, political action, relational work, family. I mean, it's all, isn't it? It's all fertile ground for these practices. And just in this simplified situation here, we are sort of narrowing down a few of the options, but hopefully not as a judgmental thing that all those other things are not valuable, but just that for now we are taking a somewhat simpler approach. Although what you do in the woods is your own business, so long as you're far away from the building and you keep the precepts. So say no more, say no more. Um, so I'd like to share this poem with you, which felt very relevant to this particular teaching of it's not yours, let go of it. 
and it's a poem called Zazen by Virginia Hamilton Adair. When I first floundered in, no one knew me, not even myself. Staggering under a Saratoga trunk crammed with humiliations, bottled-like urine samples, nail kegs of anger, carbons of abusive letters, chemistry quizzes with Fs, even the horse I never had, and the two casseroles left over from the Dimer Dip supper. No one remarked that I had brought too much. I was wearing three fur hats donated by opulent cousins, my feet encased in cement ever since the failure of the patio project, and my mouth full of barbs as an old trout. No one praised my appearance. The trunk fell off my back, disgorging its unusual contents at my stone feet, which also came off. The fur hats tumbled like a moth-eaten avalanche, burying a small monk. No one noticed. My sweat began to dry. I folded myself into one piece. No one. Yeah. I just love that poem. I feel like so much what happens on retreat and when we're coming in with all this stuff. And uh, it's not mine. I let go of it. And then gradually, yeah. So um, the second experiment um, I'd like to mention, which also relates to... Um, so teaching from the Buddha, again, the... Reference will be on the board. And I do think sometimes different temperaments, personality types, you know, tendencies, interests in life are really, really worth honoring that different minds work differently, which is, I think, part of the genius of the Buddha, offering these different ways in. It's not, I don't think, it's a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and this is one... Sit on the on anatta. So, just want to read you this one short piece, and then again, kind of pull out sort of what the practice might be. So, monks, form is non-self. If for if monks form were self, this form would not lead to affliction, and it would not be possible to determine form. Let my form be thus. Let my form not be thus. But because form is non-self, form leads to affliction, and it is not possible to determine form. Yeah, so I'm just going to stop there. It's just this like one point that's being picked out here that we cannot control. <laughs> you know, and this is you know again maybe particularly just in this case with body form. So if we take that um, sense of form, the body. 
how um, maybe there are some ways we can relate wisely to it, we can take care of it, we can, uh, but can we control it? And isn't it like, again, like these practices are kind of an, like, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I know I can't intellectually, but I'm working really hard to try and control it. <laughs> yeah? all the time, trying to make it feel good, make it feel okay, make it not feel like, you know, it's like, could be a lot, a completely 100% preoccupation, can't it? And how, so the practice I managed to sort of synthesize out of that was um, something like this. And again, this could apply to any aspect of our experience. Again, the Buddha is using a lot of the five aggregates, form, feeling, perception, volitional formations, and consciousness. So we could apply this to perhaps any moment or any aspect of experience. And what I came up with was, can relate wisely, cannot control. <laughs> it's just a kind of, and again, maybe that, the repetition of that. So that, that I think partly why I came up with that is that sense how it highlights that this is not an abandonment of, of care. It's not an abandonment of the ethical sense. It's not indifference. It's not an annihilation or a nihilistic kind of thing. And I, I think that's really, really important. So for me, sometimes it's important to bring that other side in, that we can influence, we can shape, you know, that that's a whole area both of, of, of the ethical life and also meditation. You know, we are, we're nudging, we're steering, we're inclining. So there's, you know, there's some, but something about actually where that really, the efficaciousness in that is so much about how am I relating to what's happening? Or how am I seeing it as being what really can change? Right, rather I'm going to get my screwdriver out and it's like, you know, how frustrating that is. As we step back and see how profoundly things can shift when we shift our sense of how we're relating to it, how we're seeing it. So it's like, you know, that it's like there's an empowerment there. There's a sense of, okay, what can I do? And then that sense of, you know, letting go again, isn't it? Um we cannot, it is not possible to determine. I don't know what the Pali word is there, but I think, I'm guessing it's like make it, you know, it's like that sense of control. So can relate wisely, cannot control. So yeah, so that's, that's that one. And another one from this sutta, how are we doing? So I know this is a lot I'm rattling on a bit. Feel free to. Let it go in one ear and out the other and shift your posture, be comfortable. <laughs> okay, so um, later in this sutta, another kind of approach, which maybe again for some of us may be, you know, appealing, effective. And it's something that the Buddha, you've probably heard, uses a lot in teachings, asking closed questions, <laughs> yes-no answers, but that are asking us to, 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 to look carefully, to test hypothesis, to see 
for ourselves and then to make the logical deduction. So I'm not strong on logic, I have to confess. But I, I think I, I, yeah, and maybe some people's minds work more that way, so this might be a more comfortable sort of fit. So I'm just going to read you again a small section just to exemplify this. What do you think? Is form permanent or impermanent? Impermanent, venerable sir. I mean, it's not yes, no, but it's like, it's, but I, I, so when I was reading this today, I thought they're not just saying it to not get a slap or something, you know, they're not just saying it to look good, <laughs> you know, it's like, if I imagine they have looked deeply into this and they've known for themselves that this is so. Is what is, in, is, what is impermanent suffering or happiness? And again, the word dukkha, I would translate here as unsatisfactory. Sorry, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Um, so is what is impermanent able to satisfy? Is it, is it suffering? Is it, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm messing this up a bit, but suffering, venerable sir, unsatisfactory. Okay, is what is impermanent, suffering and subject to change, fit to be regarded thus? This is mine. This I am. This is myself. No, venerable sir. But again, you know, I so so. Can you hear? There's like another, maybe a form of of questioning. Maybe we can bring to our own experience. You know, any kind of experience. Again, this physical, mental, emotional, internal, external. Now, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it permanent? Is it? So, as a real inquiry, as a real looking and inquiring, so we can know for ourselves. So, as another, another way in, another way in. I'm not going to get through all this. Oh dear! Oh dear! Um, Okay, well, I, two more I want to get, I want to, okay, let's pause, breathe in, breathe out, relax the body. Um, I feel myself getting a bit excited about these things, and <laughs> it's like, Anato, it's so exciting and interesting, whoa, right, calm down. <laughs> okay. So images, again, some of us, I think, that imagination is, is a very, very key doorway into understanding and wisdom. And the Buddha used a lot of imagination through his similes. I mean, do you know, it's like the cities are riddled with them. It's just amazing. It's always saying, it's like this, it's like that. And they're always just wonderfully accurate and also sort of recognizable, you know, things you can imagine people at the time would, you know, see on a regular basis. They're so accessible. So we might have to find some of our contemporary 
equivalence for ourselves. Although the first one, the simile for the body or form, is a lump of foam. So love this. I won't read you another sutta, but the Buddha sitting by the river Ganges, coming up with these images. And, and I could just sort of imagine him sitting there by the river. Now, have you seen a lump of foam floating down a river or a stream? Well, if you haven't, just keep it in mind next time you're near a river or a stream. The stream near here, when it's flowing fairly quickly, it's the one on Pleasant Street, which flows quite quickly as you sort of go over the hill over that way. And I was sometime, anyway, last year I was walking and there were these little blobs of foam. And I said, look, that's what the Buddha saw on the river Ganges. And it's like it was just, you know, a little, little blob of, you know, foam is like lots of little bubbles connected together, right? Just sort of floating down the stream and then changing shape and then going bloop over a, and disappearing over a little waterfall bit. And so the body being like that, so being able to contemplate our experience, like our sense of the body, for example, or the body as a lump of foam or um, feeling feeling tone, the pleasure, pain, it's like this, doing this again, this is my image for everything maybe, but um, rain bubbles, if you, you, maybe you have seen rain falling on a puddle, the way the, the, it, the little drops go like that and then the little bubble forms and then pops, little bubble pop, little bubble pop, a mirage for perception and that's amazing, this, this sense of and any any kind of perception, you know, being a, just again, there are all these are possibilities for exploration to actually take it up, not as oh that's good, you know, right next, but like oh, would it be to sense like I could look at you all now and say, I'm a, I'm a mirage, <laughs> mirage like perception, whether magic the magical illusion of consciousness displaying these sights and sounds and then the mind somehow creating this wow you know this appearance and then of course the wonderful image of of volitional formations or of volition as a as a banana tree which i've never actually seen but you know it's just like this trunk which is just you know layers leaves sheaths and you just keep peeling off and there's nothing in the middle and that sense of, you know, impulse, urge, intention, like can feel so personal and so me. So it's like, well, actually, if you look into it, it's like, what's there? Yeah. So one more, one more. And this is something, if you want to check out again, um, the, the chapter in Rob's book, is to use... Uh, and again, it could be a sitting or a walking or a whole retreat or just when you're on the toilet or eating the meal or any any time to to contemplate the experience either one area like like the whole process of eating a meal I think yeah it's a great sort of arena for any kind of practice isn't it so, or um, one particular area of experience that you're interested in like feeling tone or seeing or hearing or emotions or thoughts yeah you just gently open to that whole 
area or that particular aspect of experience and just very gently like making a note either you know as often as it feels helpful not me not mine not me not mine and again to then leave space leave space see what happens see if the mind can actually begin to pick up on that not just as an idea but oh And again, I find this imagining, what would it be like if that can be a way in? This was not me, not mine. Oh, you know, as a question, as a, what might that be like? So this is, this is an opening up of an arena of, 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 yeah, way of relating to or seeing our experience that could potentially be very beautiful, freeing, interesting, kind of, releasing and I remember once I, I have to talk about swimming again sorry um, but I, I I did once it was very memorable I was swimming in a swimming pool somewhere and there was this really really noisy diving board that and the kids were you know diving and this thing would go boy and then crash and the whole it would just be this awful crashing noise So I decided to, I was reading Rob's book actually, and I was, okay, right, not me, not mine, with the sound, you know, it's just to see. And it was really lovely because by the end of the, the time and that practice and the, yeah, I think sometimes the regularity of movement, like walking, I think is a wonderful um, suit, sort of part somehow of that helps the, the practice it really had transformed from being this enraging <laughs> kind of horrible, unpleasant, you know, it's like spoiling my swim, um, to just this kind of uh, peaceful, peaceful abiding. And I know it's a small example in a way when, you know, the enormities of the problems in our lives and in the world. But what I think I want to finish with is just encouragement to engage, explore with this if, if you want, with the sense that I hope what I'm trying to communicate is that this is not a deadening, narrowing, kind of boring, kind of, oh, well, not me, not my own, God, you know, let's do something else. <laughs> It's very opening and enlivening. And perhaps just to sense how When the sense of self is either, you know, sort of more diffuse or faded, or even it's just relativized, right? It's just known. It's, it's not driving the show, right? It's kind of exposed. It's just another appearance. It's another phenomenon that is not me, not mine. How wonderful. And that counts even for those most annoying habits of mind that just you're just sick of them. Not me, not mine. Oh. See? See what that might do and what that might bring and how that might bring support to the possibility of finding freedom without that much changing in the world, in ourselves, you know, in other people, through a change in our relationship to the way that we see and understand. And how these practices, I think, can also um, really open the heart to love and compassion 
and that's probably a whole other talk. But I did, I did want to share. Maybe I'll finish with this, a, a, a short teaching from the amazing Tibetan teacher Dilgo Kyentse Rinpoche, which I think says something about how these, this sort of practice in these real, like these kinds of realizations, and this, this, this wisdom, actually. Because it frees our energy from this obsession with me. <laughs> I don't mean me, I mean, you know, me. Um, that so much energy and so much love and so much um, resource is then available for service, for enjoyment, for all kinds of good stuff. So, well, I'll just finish with him. So, when you realize and understand the empty, selfless nature of phenomena, the energy to bring about the good of others arises, uncontrived and effortless. So, I've gone on a little longer than I intended. Um, So thank you for your attention, for your patience and for your most beautiful practice. A deep bow to each of you. I am so, um, yeah, I I just, my words are running out. You get the idea. I bow to you. (laughs) Thank you. So let's close our evening together by chanting the reflections on the sharing of blessings. And again, the intention with this, if you wish to connect with that, is just that wish, that sense of, you know, off. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.